Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. my headphones into the microphone (laughs) but sometimes it is where I need to restart so I just decided to do it (laughs) well I was going to ask you is is everything plugged in Uh, but you couldn't hear me Um, so so, yeah Yeah. that's usually step number one no I had just I deconstructed my work setup um, because I had to work from here, there, and everywhere um, at the end of last week. So just needed to, yeah, plug all the things back in and I missed one. No, that's totally fine. Totally fine. We'll do it. How's your, how's your power situation now? All stable? Yeah, so it came back last night, late last night. Um, and it was supposed to be out. They were telling us until... Monday or Tuesday night. So it was kind of a pleasant surprise, you know, just heard the the air conditioning come back on and some lights and whatnot we'd left on came back on. So finally, I mean, we had been out since um, Thursday morning. So it's a long time. Yeah, you see, when you get used to your power going out, you'll have a routine where you'll go and turn all the light switches off. Nothing worse than the 4 a.m. wake up in the middle of well, all the lights turn on the house because you've got to turn them all off. So, but you have a generator, right? Yeah, we do. I mean, the irony on that is, as I bought the generator, I don't know, two months ago, I think I've used it once, and that was to set it up. Um, we've never used it again. Um, I mean, it's very common here to have um, solar panels and an inverter. Uh, when I say it's common, you know, guys have got the money, we'll put it in. Because um, the generator is bloody noisy, um, and then what they do is they, um, what the guys, well, they have batteries as well. They'll store, you know, the solar generated power in the batteries, and then when doing ESCOM, which is the national provider, goes offline, they don't even notice that they've gone offline, and they'll have the main stuff on that circuit. So they'll have like um, TVs and lights, and um, one or two guys have the ability to like boil a kettle and. And that sort of thing. Um, but usually it's just, just so you have the lights and you can watch TV and your internet stays on. Um, what I did is I put a UPS in that keeps the router going um, and the Wi-Fi. And then I've got enough time to go start the generator up. And that, that generator is tied into the house. So that the minute I turn that on, we have everything everything accessible, but you obviously go and turn off high draw things. So you turn off your underfloor heating, you turn off your air cons, um, and then you can probably get away with doing the microwave and the kettle at the same time. But that's about it. You can't use your geezer and or your boiler, whatever you guys call it. Um, but that's it. I mean, it's six six kilowatts, seven kilowatts, something like that. Uses about twenty five liters of gas. Petrol. Yeah, we had um, 
So like I, I mentioned, it was pretty, it was a mass outage. The, there was one generator going in the neighborhood. We went for a walk and I was like, oh yeah, I can hear. They're so loud. Um, at least this one was the gas powered generator. Um, could hear it from a few blocks away for that house, but I think we might might look into one for the winter because it's not so scary to, um, you know, lose your power when it's, uh, you know, pretty warm and the temperature's okay. Um, mm. But dead of winter uh, would be a whole different story. Yeah. So when we get back to the UK, that's one of the things that I've I want to put in uh, is the inverter and the battery, or they actually use a capacitor now as well. Um, and then you can also feed back into the grid, which is what, what, what we've now just made legal in the country uh, here at least. Because, that, I mean, you can hear it here in this complex. The minute that the power goes out, you have about six generators kick up. And it sounds like a bunch of tractors doing drag racing. <laughs> yeah. As they, as they pull more power, they all go, you know. So it's, um, it's not the most pleasant experience. But uh, my expectation in the future is we're all going to have power problems. And we should all have some sort of redundancy. Yeah, I think um, I'd like to go the solar battery route eventually. It's just expensive, um, at least where I am, to get that going. And then you can sell power back to the grid, but they barely pay you anything for it. It's really not designed to – they don't want you doing it, essentially, the power companies. Yeah, which I always think is such a short-sighted view. Um, if you think about, like – well, I mean, let's use a, a, you know, the most common example. Now, if you look at what, what blockchain is doing, distributed ledgers and all that kind of stuff, that's decentralizing banking. But it's still it's, it's decentralizing, but in a way that you can still centralize it. And I think power is a good example of something that you can have generation from anywhere uh, and you can still consolidate it. Um, and I've been fascinated, you know, but we've been in the country now nine months. And, you know, there's probably been 20 days of bad weather and even on those bad weather days, and I'm talking clouds and rain and stuff, there's still been sunlight, you know, still had sunshine. So, so the ability for a house to generate solar power um, is there, you know. So, so I've, you know, I've been saying to guys, you know, the investment would pay for itself quite quickly because, you know, you would have a constant stream of power. Um, you don't even have to, you don't have to give it back to the grid. You just don't have to pay them. Um, because you'd have the battery storage and the power and for the night time. Um, but it is expensive. We're talking five to $10,000, I guess, if I had to estimate it for an entry-level system. Um, and I don't know if you've got a pool, but most of these guys have pools and stuff like that. So, that, you know, you're adding a little bit extra because you've got to cover the heat pumps and, and all that. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a project. I, would never, I wouldn't say you have to do it all in one go. Like we've got the solar, powers in the UK, solar panels in the UK house because that's now there by law. You have to have one kilowatt um, in any new build. Huh. But you probably need, um, uh, you know, I'm guessing you probably need about five kilowatts if you want enough to, to do the lights and the TVs and, and all that and still charge uh, your batteries because um, we don't have a, a pool or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, uh, I think it's a, a worthwhile investment in the long term. Yeah, definitely would uh, help with that peace of mind and, you know, not losing everything in the fridge, uh, which was a bummer. <laughs> Going to start from scratch there. Um, we looked at a house uh, when we were on the market that, had a pool. It was the first house that we toured. And that's pretty unusual, um, especially for sort of the, the price range we were 
looking at, you know, some luxury homes might have um, an indoor pool, like some infinity kind of thing, Um, which is, you know, in my ideal dream house is what I would want Uh, because outdoor pools um, here, they get, you know, the season's pretty short for the maintenance you'd have to do. It's much more, it's just most people just choose to go to a public pool or some country club or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, the UK is the same. Um, I mean, the area we live in, if you had to look on Google Maps, you'll see a couple of pools, like maybe maybe one one pool for maybe every 10, 12 houses. Um, if you look here in Joburg or Durban or even Cape Town, you probably find eight out of eight or nine houses out of 12 would have a pool um, that you could visibly see. Um, and it depends on how much space you've got in your garden and stuff, but because the weather is typically so hot all the time, you, you want to have those sorts of things, but it's, but the other thing, you also have cheap labor. Um, you know, you can hire a gardener that can go after the pool, um, you know, and it'll, it'll cost you very little for what your, your income is. So that, that's the other reason why guys do it because the maintenance isn't that bad because either they've got a gardener that does it or they're paying a pool service that comes in as part of doing the garden anyway. Um, so the cost is not high, uh, and you, as I say, using it all the time. Um, whereas in the UK, I mean, the weather, the weather's not consistent enough that you get that. I mean, what, what people do, which, I, which we will do as well, is you get a hot tub and you put the hot tub in with a cover and then, you know, that that's good enough for summer and winter and it's, and it's a really small body of water. Yeah. They were selling these like inflatable hot tubs on Amazon for a few hundred bucks. And I don't know how good they were, but I was, I was tempted the other week. So the one, well, the one we used, which is not bad, is called the Lazy Spa. Um, and you get, uh, we had a Las Vegas one, which seats six people or something. And um, actually a friend of us, had one, we, and we, we bought it on his recommendation. And he's had his one for about five years now. Um, we had ours for about three and then I got a, a, a damaged the, the plastic because the whole thing is like a, 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 what do you call it? A, um, a what's the word? Um, inflate. Yeah, it's an inflatable molded plastic. So you, you, you basically pump it up and you pump it up inside a leather shell. So that, so the outside is leather that keeps, that helps you keep the heat in. Um, and then you've got the inflatable stuff in the middle and then you've got a motor that plugs onto it, um, which gives you your bubbles and um, does the filtration of the water. Uh, we kept us, as I said, for about three, three and a half years. And I don't know how it happened, but I basically slashed it. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, to repair that, it's almost impossible. Uh, we, you know, we, we must have repaired it about 10 times in a month. And I just said to my wife, you know what? For, for what we spent on like what, and the use we'll just buy another one or we'll uh, we'll get um, a proper one and then we came back here on holiday and we uh, yeah haven't been back since yeah uh, but uh, yeah they're very popular and you can get the the um, they're quite fancy now uh, you know they'll have um, the IoT stuff built in now so you can have your app that runs the thing because one of the biggest pains with it which I found is that you know when we had it in our first house it was in a shady spot so it never got warm and you'd spend an absolute fortune of time and money warming the thing up with the heater. Um, and then in our new house, it's, it's directly in the sun from about 11 o'clock in the morning till in, in the summer till, you know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. So it's always, you know, decent temperature. 
But your challenge is you don't necessarily want that thing to run all night long heating because it doesn't need to. It only needs like three hours. So the, apps, the app looks quite good now because now you can set the schedules so that it can actually start, you know, 4 a.m. it can kick on and then it can warm it up. Or if it drops below a certain temperature, it can warm it up. Um, so I'm quite keen to, to see where those go now. Mm-hmm. And our neighbors have just put, the, the, put one in. And it's got, you know, lights and music and it ties into your your Spotify account and all that kind of stuff. So it's really geeky. Yeah. But uh, that's cool. Yeah. It's amazing that you can get nowadays. Um, yeah. That, some of the home IoT stuff is really cool as long as uh, it works. Um, but, uh, you know, even like our air filter has it, you know, we can get an app to say, what its status is. It's just so useful. It's like, instead of just setting yeah. a date on a calendar and having to remember it, having that all integrated is so convenient. Um, as, and as then long it's as, like, yeah. As long as you don't put it on your main Wi-Fi, you know, you, you got to put it on a separate network that's, that's you're not worried about uh, the insecurity of IoT. Just streaming, <laughs> just speaking, well, phoning home all the time. Well, that, and, and you just don't know, you know, these guys build it so quickly. They don't think about security. I mean, remember you, we had that chat with, with Lorik ages ago, um, or maybe that was the episode we lost. I can't remember. Um, but we were talking about how, you know, it's so easy, so easy to build one, uh, you know, just a, a, an IoT, whatever it is, some sort of sensor, but they avoid things like encryption or, or they'll phone back to China, phone home back to China, and you don't know what they're sending. Um, and in the same token, you don't know what they'll what they'll receive. So you don't you don't really want them on your main Wi-Fi network that you you, know, you and your family are using. You want them on a on a segregated Wi-Fi. So like all my security cameras are on a separate network, mm-hmm. uh, even though they're from a reputable, well-known provider. Um, I just didn't want to take the risk that if they go breached, then my Wi-Fi is breached, my internal yeah. network. Um, so like, and even my, um, I've got smart lights uh, yeah. for some of the rooms, same thing. They're all on the same network. You know, so if something goes wrong there, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, there's not much to get that you can see what's on my cameras outside. It's a big deal. Um, but if you, if you think about like guys doing transactions, you know, to the, on the, into their banking or something, and someone's managed to put a, a, a packet sniffer, on the IT device, because some of those IT devices actually have got pretty good storage and pretty good um, processing power, at least to capture packets. You know, you don't need much. Um, and if it's not encrypted properly, then you've got a hole. So, yeah, that's my advice, definitely. For sure. Um, well, if you have some time, I can tell you about my um, iPhone work day. Sure. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, I've got a talk now. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, so we've had, you know, we did that episode ages ago about your, uh, experience working on an iPad all day. So mm-hmm. I thought I would share my iPhone example, um, <laughs> scaled down even more. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's important to, to, to consider the hardware when you're talking about working all day on a phone, um, yeah. both for screen size and just how much of a charge does it hold? So I have, um, an iPhone 11 pro, so it's still pretty good on battery life. You know, screen size for me is, um, pretty good, but it's not a max or something where it would have, um, given me even more. So, uh, I think, uh, the first key that I learned, if you're going to be stuck, um, 
working on your phone all day, particularly if you're in a um, power outage, which was my situation is that you need some good battery packs, uh, <laughs> the ability to juice up frequently because working on your phone, um, especially off Wi-Fi, just drains it so quickly using, um, I was using Teams mostly, um, but my battery just tanked and usually I can go more than a full day on a charge. That was lesson one. Um, and, uh, you know, lesson two is that I think if I had to go back and maybe restart my day planning to work on my phone, let's say I was traveling or something, um, mm -hmm. I probably would download more native apps. Um, mm -hmm. cause I was trying to get by mainly with, uh, calling in, um, which cannot be ideal if you can't find the, you know, the right dial in number, or if there's not one that you can, um, that has all of the, you know, the pounds and the stars and the meeting codes embedded in it. So it's just a one click. Um, and you talk about, sorry, when you say dialing, you talk about dialing to Teams, because I find Teams is, is, is especially bad at this. I actually, I was dialing in to Zooms because I had oh, Teams, really? so I could join for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, the reason why, why Teams I find quite bad is that unless you've got the calling plan associated with your account, you don't actually get the call-in numbers for a Teams meeting. Yes. I actually, I, um, way back in the day, I had to ask IT to get me. I didn't have that. And then whenever I needed to make a meeting with someone external and, you know, if they needed a dial-in, especially when Teams, I think, was less popular. Um, mm -hmm. So a few people had it. It was just like kind of that inconvenience of here's my system for us to meet on. Um I was just embarrassed that I couldn't even send people a number they could use if they didn't want to download Teams. So thankfully, yeah. uh, they resolved that for me. So okay, the, the second thing I find, which is frustrating, maybe and maybe just because I'm on a Mac now, is when you look at the meeting invite from Teams, there's so many links, and they're not clean links. They're like just messy, you know, long things. I don't know which one you're clicking on. So sometimes I click on the wrong link, which is the link for managing the meeting. Sometimes I click on the link, which takes you to the, the page of all the numbers. Yeah, it's just, I find it's not very clean. Anyway, so you're telling more about the native apps. So which, which other apps do you think you need to have native? Well, I think it probably would have downloaded Zoom. And then I um, was kind of working off the browser for all my office apps. I just, it's not, it's obviously my personal phone. So yeah. I haven't, um, you know, downloaded all the, I think if I downloaded the office app zoom, I would have been, um, in a much better spot just for ease of mm -hmm. transitioning between things during the workday. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what, what signal did you have? A 3g signal, a 4g signal? So, yeah, it's funny. So, um, my house was built in the late 1940s, post-World War II, and there was a shortage of wood as a building material. So uh, the outside's actually steel panels. Um, so <laughs> so signal inside the house is, is poor, but it doesn't matter most of the time because I have Wi-Fi. Um, so I was working off of like one to two bars. So I kept going outside especially for meetings was to get a better signal. Um, yeah. uh, so another a pro tip would be if you're going to take outside meetings, wear sunscreen because I didn't. 
Because I was just, I was just trying to make it work, you know, going in and out, trying to find a signal. Um, I was like, I'll be outside, you know, 30 minutes, an hour for a call. Um, I had, I always wear SPF on my face, but, um, you know, the sun was strong that day and got a little bit toasted on my arms, got a bit of a farmer's tan now. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think if you're, you know, a knowledge worker, obviously I think in a pinch, um, you can do a lot on a phone, at least, uh, answer emails and take meetings. I mean, I guess that's not shocking. Business folks have been doing that for quite some time, but um, even just, you know, working through teams, there's just a lot, lot you can do, but you know, the more your meetings depend on things like screen share. I think that was the biggest pain with Zoom actually is I, the Zooms I was on, people really wanted to share screen, um, which at that point it's like, your contribution and understanding of the meeting is super limited if you can't see what's going on. Well, as I, yeah, as I was going to say to you, the, the, the thing that I, that I think about often now when we're designing something is we've got to, and it's not for everything, obviously, but you need to think about the, someone's going to look at this on a mobile screen. Now, if you say, for example, sending an email, um, very rarely should you send an email that doesn't fit on a mobile screen, you know, some, some more than five lines per se, and, and having lots of attachments and pictures. And I mean, there's other ways to do it that are, that are probably more beneficial. Um, but we, I mean, I, I do it sometimes as well, where I'm sitting downstairs and I'm late for a meeting because I've come down for coffee or whatever. So I'll start the meeting on my phone because that's the nearest thing I've got with me. I've got my headphones on and I'll walk up the stairs to go join off my, off my device. And often that's when they're sharing something and you sort of, scare, you know, you're, you're zooming in and you're looking. And you're you can't see time. what's on the screen. <laughs> I'm looking and zooming that you're actually not even listening to what they're saying. So yeah, I hear your point about preparation. Um, yeah. I mean, I get sunburned a lot because I go for walks during the day. So, so I'm guilty on that front too. Um, and why did you not connect your laptop to your phone? Is this, was that already dead battery-wise? Because you've been out offline for two or three days. It was dead, and enough. I my um yeah my work laptop. I don't know if it can hold charge for an hour at this point. So <laughs> it was kind of just a non-option. Um, but you know what I found really funny about that? So so it was your whole of I mean your whole area down, whole of Ann Arbor. Um, not all of it, but a, a good portion of folks. Yeah. And, and your office didn't have a generator. So actually I could have gone into the office. Um, yeah. and I thought about it, but you know, I'd mentioned, um, some family stuff that I was dealing with. So, uh, I had a family member who's in the hospital now, um, not with I'm COVID, sorry. but yeah. something else contagious. Yeah. Um, so I was like, and I'd been around her. So I was like, well, it's not COVID. I don't have COVID symptoms. I feel fine. But just yeah. this, like, I'm like, is this a lesson from, you know, being in a pandemic um, that if I've been around someone with something contagious and we're sort of still learning about what they have and they're not doing particularly well, I was like, I'll just not go in because, yeah, I wasn't the only one without power. So I know more people were going in. We're still on a bit of a hybrid model right now. Um, mm. So people are have the option to go into the office. Um, 
but I decided that to not go in, especially the oh, first yeah. day that I worked well, on my phone. Yeah. That's very responsible. I mean, and I think that's a good lesson we should all, we should all learn from this pandemic is that, you know, rather, rather isolate when you've got something than, than go in and be a hero because you actually do more damage than good often. Um, the reason why I was asking the question was, you know, potentially you could have gone in and, and put the devices into charge overnight and picked them up the next morning. Um, but that's why we have the generators. It's just purely to, I mean, we had, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So we go down to my uncle's house in the mountains a couple of weekends ago. And uh, we go, we're down on the Thursday, because this was after I was recovering from COVID and, and um, my doctor sort of said, get out of Joburg for a bit because the pollution's so bad and help your lungs, et cetera. So we drive down on the Thursday and we, you know, we get the afternoon and we, we have a normal sort of family night and the Friday we spend the whole day out and, you know, we've got a lot of devices for the kids, I, you know, the iPads entertain them and I had, you know, my devices with me for my, my stuff and we're sitting having dinner on the Friday night and the power goes out. Now we're in the middle of, of the mountains, so there's, there are houses around but there's not a lot. So you go look outside on the, on the on the balcony and you don't see a lot of light. So you think, oh, it's a general failure. Everyone's out because it's dark and you can just see the stars and, and that. So, so we all go to bed and we say, oh, they'll probably fix it in the morning. So wake up next morning. Now nothing's charged. So, you know, all our devices, that we, you know, I've, I've been charging devices off my laptop, off my iPad, et cetera. So we have a little bit of power, but not much. So in the morning we wake up, we, we, my uncle's got a very fancy four by four. So we, we'd start that up and basically start charging all our devices off his car. He can take like 20 devices off his various connections and, and whatever. Cause he, he goes into the bush with his nothing. So he's got all the, the gadgets, he's got solar panels and all that built on the truck. It's, you know, very fancy. So we start charging everything and the, and all the girls go out for a walk. And then there's just us in the house and we were playing with his drone because that's the only thing that's got power. And we waiting for the electrician to come. And we're waiting and then we suddenly think, you know, we, we, let's go check if anyone else has got power. So we, he walks up to the one house and they've got power. So it's only really us that are offline. So, so he, he, um, it says he's already checked the circuit board and he says everything's working, everything's working. So we're busy playing with the drone, busy playing with the drone. Now, you know, the car's been running for about an hour and a half. We, we obviously have minimal power left on the laptops and stuff to charge things. And the electrician rocks up. He says, um, have you guys reset the mains? We're like, well, you know, he said he had. He says, no, well, you've got to pull them down and push them up. Then it works. So that's all he did. He had to push it down and then turn the switch back on. And we had power. So <laughs> we were planning for a whole day of no power, going out to get battery packs to go and charge things because, you know, you don't want to be in the middle of nowhere without cell reception and being able to call anybody in that. But uh, in the end, it was just a simple switch that hadn't been turned the right way. I mean, for the for the better. I wish that had been our had been our case. But yeah, it's always nice when you know, just getting it back on last night, even though we've been out for so many days at that point, it was uh a pleasant surprise because I was not expect I was like, Oh god, another work another work day or two. And I um so Thursday I worked on my phone. Yeah. Friday, I went to my sister's. She just moved. So they didn't have anything set up on Thursday. Friday, we had their place has power. So we rolled to work from there um, on Wi-Fi. But I was, you know, 
my laptop was on a couple boxes and I was like sitting on this little stool and it was still very <laughs> a, a challenging work day, but much better than the one before it. Um, but now I have yeah. my whole setup back and I'm very grateful for it. Um, and it just makes you, yeah, just really realize, I mean, a lot of it, so much is just screen real estate, you know, um, yeah. a good Wi-Fi yeah. connection and screen real estate gets you pretty far. No, you spot on. I mean, I, um, will sometimes take my laptop downstairs and work off there. And I, and I do it only if I want to look at something like singular, like I just want to read a document or I just want to write something. But the minute I know I've got to um, need to be, if I need two screens to, to analyze something or whatever, then I prefer to come up, stay upstairs and stand. But it's, it, my, this office I mean, is quite cold, even though it's 25 degrees outside. So, you know, I like to get the warmth. Um, but I've been experimenting now with the iPad Pros you can use that as a second screen. Uh, and that actually works quite well because they're both mobile and it's just big enough that you can put something on there and you can you can look at it, but you can actually do the work on your laptop. So uh, that's that's a nice mobile solution. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've seen a, another, I don't remember the brand, but another kind of like, it looks like a tablet, but it's, its function was just to be a second screen for your laptop. I feel like that. Um, that, yeah. uh, that sounds like something I saw on Instagram. Mm. I've seen it. Someone I knew had one um, that I saw not too long ago, but I don't. Yeah, I don't remember the details of it, but it was essentially like the size of an iPad and just a second you know, hmm. mobile monitor um, if you're working off a laptop. Yeah, because often all you want, like I was doing some work and I could set up a VPN and all you wanted, all I wanted was the article that I was looking at on the second screen so that I didn't have to keep switching between the two, um, which you don't need much. I mean, this is an 11 inch, um, so that's big enough. Although I have to say after using this as 11 inch for a long time, I am keen on getting the bigger one. Mm -hmm. So the one is slightly better. Um, but we'll see where this all goes. Yeah. Well, um, unfortunately this week's episode is delayed, but I'll get it up. I'll edit one and get it up today. Um, maybe this one, we'll see. Well, what, what did we discuss a couple of weeks ago? It would be nice if we had a couple in the background that you'd already done just in case. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, it's just been a really crazy busy couple of months here uh with moving house and work and everything so no no I totally understand i'm not, I'm not uh, obviously giving you um <laughs> abuse but, but it, yeah but but half of this is is you know these these situations um you can always look at them and go you know if only i planned better or had a you know you know pre pre-set up a few things just in case yeah well, like I told you, I've never been, this is the longest of my, you know, longest power outage of my life. So <laughs> I was not adequately prepared um, for that many days. We had water, you know, if we hadn't, we had city water. So when I was growing up, we had well water. Um, so power going out was a bigger issue in that regard. Um, so. Well, I mean, with us, you know, even in the, in the, in, in the book, the issue there was the minute that power went off, you know, none of the geysers filled up. So we had no hot water the next morning for showers. Mm -hmm. um, the other issue was, you know, it's, it's the same at home. It's why we bought the generator 
is, you know, with my daughter and that if she needs a bottle, we need hot water. And you can put, you can, you know, when you know it's going to happen. So like we, we have a, an app um, that tells us when we're going to have load shedding. Um, so you can sort of plan for it. So we'll, we'll, we will sit there like an hour before the power goes out, filling up flasks of boiling water and, and cooking dinner and all that kind of stuff. Um, but sometimes you don't have that. We had a, we had one situation where it went off on the third, like you just went off on the Thursday afternoon and it was supposed to go off the Friday afternoon and we hadn't planned anything. And then you're running around trying to get what you can um, from those that do have power. Um, so you at least a little bit prepared for the night. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, they were like, um, they set up a power station at one of the high schools. So if, you know, there are always options for. Oh, that's pretty um, good. Yeah. At least around here for things that uh, if we needed those resources would have been, we could have uh, sought them out. Mm. Um, but yeah, we have um, a natural gas hot water heater. So actually, which is super old, it's actually past its uh, expected lifespan. So it could uh, die on us anytime it, it needs to be replaced. But um it was actually nice because we had, we still had hot water. Um, so I, I don't know. Now I'm like, well, do we want to, if we replace it with electric, then we wouldn't have had hot water. And we also have a gas stove. So we were able to use that and we want to get induction. So. Yeah. So it's interesting. A lot of guys here moving to gas hmm. uh, where they can. Um, but this is, this is because of, you know, infrastructural issues. Um, you don't want to be too reliant on, on ESCOM here. So people can where they've got the power because of gas in some areas is still available on, with the pipes, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, that say we we're in the UK, we, the house we've got now is, is not on gas, uh, for, for the hub. It's, it's an induction hub. And this house here that we're in now also is an induction. And I, and I must admit, I prefer induction to gas from a cooking point of view. So I guess you got to weigh up your options um, to what you want. But that's also quite a hefty thing to change out. Um, so that's another factor. So. Yeah, I think it'll be worth it long term, but um, not, not something that uh, I'm going out to switch tomorrow. Uh, I was, yeah, I was, I was grateful. I was grateful to have, it was a pleasant surprise just with, um, you know, that, uh, all I really lost out on was, um, uh, Wi-Fi and then yeah, charging things. So, um, Oh, but, but, but losing Wi-Fi now is like losing water. Yeah. That's your, that's your job in, in a lot of senses. I mean, you know, the reason why we've invested in so much is that I can't afford not to be online. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a power failure. Wi-Fi still stays, uh, or internet connection still stays live, so I can still use it. So we just spent the money to to make sure we could survive. Um, I mean, because my nearest sort of working place is a good half an hour, forty minutes drive away. So it's not it's not like it's easy to get somewhere else to carry on working. So, but Touchwood haven't had to use it yet, so that's a good sign. Yeah, fingers crossed there. Oh. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to cover since we're here? 
No, I think uh, that encapsulates that experience. Hopefully don't have to put my phone to the test as a solo work device again anytime soon. Uh, but it, you know, it kept it, uh, it allowed me to work that day. Um, and I, if I hadn't had that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to. So. Well, and I think it's something that I was quite chuffed at, you know, when we had the situation in the mountains that all my devices that I could use as a battery, I was able to use as a battery. So I could plug in my iPad, or I use that as a battery to charge the more critical device, which was the phones. Um, same as same with the laptops, the more critical device was the phones and the iPads, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, when power came on, you could always recharge the bigger, the bigger batteries. Um, so you've got to have some sort of cable strategy as well, I guess. Yeah. What do you go back? Yeah, it doesn't hurt to be prepared, uh, for sure. So. Nope, no, not at all. Okie dokes. Well, it was good to catch up. And uh, we still we still have to chat about those other two things that we, we talked about. Um, yep. The third working place, and what was the other one? It was the, the hosted. Windows yeah, 365. Windows 365, yep. Yeah, so I was trying to get on the trial, but the trial's already full. Um, but we will probably do it for our guys working for us mm. um, that are in remote locations. I think I'm quite, I'm actually quite excited for that. Um, I know that sounds kind of intuitive because I don't really like the Windows operating system, but I'm excited for the hosted desktop. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how you get on with it because it's got a lot of the same advantages of WVD, but just, or AVD. Um, but you just, simpler to get up and running and manage it seems like so now it's quite pricey though um if you compare renting a machine for a period for for three years versus buying a laptop you know at the same sort of spec you are spending more money on the hosted mm -hmm. um, but i'm hoping that that the experience is that much better for the user and less maintenance requirement for the IT support people. Um, and I took mine into account with um, having to ship machines and return them at least mm -hmm. one, once each way. And it's still more expensive than that. Um, but as I say, hopefully you get the benefit of the maintainability. And also if, you, if you're not using the machine and you switch it off for a month, do you get the money back? That was one of the questions I, I've asked and I haven't really got clarity on that without losing the machine image. Yeah. Uh, well, you shouldn't in theory, but that's a, a longer discussion. Yeah, how well, long can you have it off for? <laughs> but yeah. Well, so, so you're paying you're paying a monthly fee. Um, so I think the entry level one was about thirty pounds, which I can't remember the spec was. But in essence, you're paying a, a once off fee for the month. So whether you turn it off and on for the whole month doesn't matter. Uh, whereas if you're doing that with um, Azure Windows Desktop, that's resource related. So if you've got machines going up and down, you will see pro, you know, ups, and, ups and downs in your billing as well. Um, where, where this got interesting is you might have a, a seasonal thing where you're going to bring six people on during the data capturing season. You can spin up six machines, use them for six months, and then take them offline when they leave. And then you don't have to worry about the six laptops you just bought. Mm -hmm. uh, which is our, you know, our situation. We hired a whole lot of people in the UK 
which we don't have anymore. We've moved that all to other countries. And now the people are using their own devices, which opens up another security pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had to put in tune on all of them, lock them down, et cetera. So those, those personal devices have become sort of hybrid devices. Uh, you know, we managed by us, but it's still their device while they work for us. Um, but now if I can get the WVD stuff, well, the Windows 365 stuff working, then I can say, look, you know, you don't have to use your personal device to just log into this machine yeah. and all your stuff is there uh, in theory. And, um, you know, when you, when you leave, we just disable that machine, you know, or, or take it off offline uh, and keep an image of it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited from, the, from those sorts of points of view. Really think it will help um, secure the environment and provide a better working experience. Yeah. I mean, even if you just lost your device, um, it wouldn't be such a dire situation. So, well, yeah. yeah so when we when we did it at one of the banks, that was one of the biggest um, what do you call it uh, business case elements. It wasn't so much saving money; it was data leak protection. It was removing you know investment bankers and 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 the like carrying laptops around and losing them while they were traveling. Um, and also, uh, you know, it is, it is the maintenance thing as well, supporting that device. The minute someone's traveling and they've got a problem with that device, then you get, someone's got to help them. Someone might have to go out to them. It just creates a whole lot of pain. And we had all sorts of fancy tools for like setting up a VPN to run the minute they're connected from outside and then having a, a self-help thing on the device. But, you know, you still have someone that's not comfortable with that and they still have to phone in and all that kind of stuff. So, you, so having a virtual device that they're used to connecting from anywhere, you know, made a lot more sense. And then you can also roll out new builds quite quickly with, with patching, et cetera. So mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of pros to it, but uh, not all of it's financially pros. And I find yeah. some, of, some of it's more expensive directly. You can see the cost of it. Whereas when you have um, laptops and that floating around, the cost of a user not being productive on it is a lot easier to hide um, because they, you know, they're not affected, they're not affecting everyone else. And they also, unless you're monitoring them, they're off the grid in some senses. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of companies don't monitor to the level that, that you and I know is possible. So um, they don't even know what they don't know. Yeah, definitely. A lot of, uh, guessing on what the experience is really like in the environment. Exactly. Exactly. Alrighty. Thanks, Heather. It was good to catch up. Yep. Talk to you next week. Uh, we'll for that episode. Yep. Cool. Cheers. Have a good week. You too. Bye, Ryan. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.